Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sarah. And I'm Beth. We're lawyers, mothers, and co-hosts of the bipartisan podcast, Pantsuit Politics. We have more in common than divides us. In a world that defaults to false dichotomies, we explore the messiness of living wisely. The choices, trade-offs, priorities, and grace of living a nuanced life. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of The Nuanced Life. We're going to talk about some things happening at work, a work partnership, a work transition. But before we do, we just needed something light and breezy to open with today. So we're making our summer checklist. Sarah, you always do this so beautifully. Tell us about things that have been on your checklist in the past and why this is a tradition in your family. Gosh, I don't even know how long we've been doing this. Probably since about 2011 or 12 would be my guess. And usually it's the same list with some small changes. It kind of makes me sad to think about opening it this year because there are a lot of community events that are always on our checklist, like the Lower Town Arts and Music Festival, the Superman Festival, the County Fair, that obviously I will not be adding to the list this year. But I think it's like a lot of things I do, either December Daily or the birthday books. These times of year that roll around what feels like so quickly every year, even during COVID-19, I find like traditions or sort of just little things you can do to stay aware of them are really helpful. Um, And so we started the checklist. So we didn't get to the end of summer and think, oh, man, we never made popsicles like we wanted to or... It also, it's not, it not just keeps you doing the things you want to do, but it makes you like, it's a fun way to keep, like, keep tab of the memories. Like, oh yeah, we did swim. Like the, one of my favorite years we did a, we want to swim in seven different pools. That was a fun one. And we did it. And maybe that's a good one for this year. But we always have some food ones. We want to have ice cream for dinner one night and we want to make popsicles and, um, We want to do a lemonade stand, and then we'll do lots of water balloons, sprinklers. Again, visit the water park. Def not happening this year. (laughs) Um, And then uh, we usually have, we try to do some, like, acts of service, take cookies to a neighbor or something along those lines. And, you know, it just keeps us aware that summer is a finite period, and we want to make the most of it. Well, we started ours last night. So we put on it things like, I want to try a flavor of ice cream I've never had before. Like we were really reaching because we couldn't do some of those normal things. But the girls had a ton of fun brainstorming what could go on it. And it was a good reminder that just being able to be outside is huge. I read in the New York Times this morning that the public health advice has really shifted to go outside, everybody. Go outside, go outside, go outside. (laughs) Release that stress. It's very unlikely that you would catch COVID-19 outside. There's only like two cases from Wuhan where somebody got it from being outside. So I think that's definitely the shifting advice. So let's let's lean into that. And I think there's other stuff on the list that if you don't, definitely social distancing friendly, if you don't keep it in your awareness, it's a thing that you can very easily 
put off until it's too late. So I'm thinking like camping in the backyard or camping at all is something like you really have to keep your eye on the prize because it's not something you can do last minute. It's not something easy like get ice cream for dinner. I think that stuff's really like key to have on the list so that you don't just put it off and put it off until it's too late. I think we're going to do quite a bit of camping in the backyard this summer. I have been on the down low holding on to an unopened package of peeps because a peep s'more is the best s'more. Mm, so good. And so I'm really hoping that I can can hang on to those and keep them fresh um, and get out there really soon in the backyard. I'm hoping our berry picking place. I think that should be fine, right? It's outside. Yeah, Surely we should be able to pick blueberries. It's yeah. a socially distant activity anyway. You can't be next to each other picking blueberries. you got to get your own bush. Yeah, I think that's, that's great. I would love to do, like, more orchards. And, like, also I was thinking about when it's okay, I would love to do more, like, Kentucky landmarks. Just take some I have trips. a list for that, man. I have a list for that. I will send it to you. Please it's like a special do. Kentucky summer list. There's so much good stuff that we haven't done in our own state. And I was thinking that if we can manage it, I would love to just drive around, do picnic lunches, and see that stuff. Well, this is what we're going to do this summer. We have decided that, obviously, we won't be going to Europe. And I'm sad about that because that's what, the reason we were taking a big trip to Europe is my best friend is living there for two years. It's fine. And so we thought, well, when Andy said the other day, I'm recommending Kentuckians not leave the state for the summer, I was like, okay. So I thought, all right, well, this is it. Then we're going to do my old Kentucky home summer tour. Let's do the – let's go across the state. We'll camp at um, Red River Gorge. So I think that's what we're going to do. We're going to really plan a big – my old Kentucky home road trip, which I always want to do with my kids, you know, before they leave. My parents kept saying they were going to do that. They never did. And my Kentucky history was lacking as a result. And plus, it's like such a good homeschool wrapping, you know, like yes. we could spend a few weeks up to it learning about Henry Clay and learning about all these places we're going to go. So I, we're definitely going to do that. Well, maybe we could coordinate and like meet at the Red Ooh, River Gorge and do like a, a whole so fancy politics family camping out there. That would be amazing. That's a genius idea. So I did look it up, and in my first one, my first summer list, I believe was in 2014. That was the first year that I did it. And then I did Christmas lists for a year, a couple years, too. That's really fun. No, 2013. I lied. 2013 was the first year. It's also funny because I have... You will not be surprised to hear this, as many people who follow us on social media will probably be, here to be surprised to hear this either. I have, like, annual misspellings, like things I just can't – I cannot figure out how to spell. I struggle with lemonade. I misspell it on the summer list every year. It's just part of the summer list tradition. <laughs> I love that. Well, I really want to follow in your footsteps and make mine pretty this year. We had one last year, but it was not beautiful. I would like to make a beautiful one this year. Well, I do a, I have this, you know, the problem is I have a big frame that I use and I check off with wipe off boards and then we take it out and then we check it off and we put it away. But I have, I've started doing these lists for the year. So we have our family resolutions where we want to go outside. We want to spend six nights outside. We want to have so many dinner parties. We want to have so many board games. And so that's like in my big frame. So I'm going to figure, have to figure out some other place to put this. I told Beth before we started, I can put it where my calendar goes because I don't need that right now. <laughs> Oh, well, we would love to hear what's on your summer list. I want all the ideas. Like, what can we do social distancing friendly summer activities that we should all make goals? And then maybe we can share those on Instagram. That'd be fun. Yeah. I mean, I think you you got to just think categories. You got to go a couple destinations, 
water activities, cooking activities, service activities, and then you should have a few fun inside activities. Like I, I think I really want to do is the yarn where you put up the yarn and they have to go through it without touching anything. I don't know what you call that. But I saw it all over Pinterest and it looked really fun and I think my kids would love it. It's one of those that is going to take a lot of time to set up and keep it busy for like five whole minutes. That's okay, though. I want to do that and I want to do a, a scavenger hunt around our house. And I looked it up and there's actually a scavenger hunt day at the end of May. I think it's like May 24th. Oh, that's fun. I love a holiday, in case y'all couldn't tell from our Instagram feed. If it's apple pie day, today as we were recording is buttermilk biscuit day, tomorrow is endangered species day. I love the days. I'm all about, because again, it's sort of like the list. There's just so many things in life that your brain can't be in charge of like remembering to do these things. Like we had Eggs Benedict Day. I'm not going to make Eggs Benedict. Like it's not a thing I'm ever going to wake up on a Saturday morning and think, you know what I want to have today? Eggs Benedict. You know, <laughs> We're always just going to have pancakes. And it's the same thing with the summer list. Like you're never going to be like, right now is when I want to do all the work to go somewhere to go camping. Like you have to have that sort of reminder that there's other things you want to do that are not like the easiest part of your routine that just becomes the sort of default behavior. We did Empanada Day here. Nice. It was a ton of work. Uh, because oh, yeah. I, there are a heck of a lot of work. Yeah. I, f- I found a bunch of recipes that were like, well, you could just use frozen pie crust. And I was like, oh, I am not using frozen pie crust. And so I made sweet and savory empanadas. They were delicious. And it was hours of work. But it was a nice project. You I feel like at the end where you're like, I should have used those frozen pie crust. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like uh, this is a time when having a nice project like that that doesn't have any stakes attached to it is really lovely. No, I agree. I agree. And it's just like it adds a little anticipation to the day. I get really sad when there's like a week of no really good holidays. <laughs> I need some good holidays. Well, that's the best fodder for things to do with the kids, too. You know, yes. um, because when when we were in school and having non-traditional instruction from the school, Jane would just be done with her work for the week on like Tuesday morning. And so yep. – I did a ton of work, and I know you have, too, to try to fill that time. And what day it is or what's being celebrated this week is such, or what happened on this day in history, like, that's where I get nine out of ten ideas for that stuff. Well, send us your summer checklist ideas. We're excited. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Next up, we have an advice question that we are both very, very excited about. Stephanie wrote us that her and her friend Christine have started a YouTube channel, which I think sounds really fun. It's called Recipe Archaeology. 
um, where they do like retro recipe cooking show. I think it sounds really fun. Side note, not related to the advice. But she says they've been doing it for several years. They've been friends for over two decades. And as it's starting to ramp up and it might become more of a legitimate business and less of just a fun hobby, she asked if we have any advice about how to go into business with someone without compromising the relationship. Well, I can't wait to check out this YouTube channel either. This is right up my alley. And she is asking us because she's making this assumption that we knew each other and had a friendship before we started really working together. And so I want to be very honest that we did know each other, but we were not close friends. When we started Pantsuit Politics, we hadn't been in the same room for 13 years and had really only corresponded online, mostly via email. So slightly different situation I will say, though, that I think the intention is the most important part. Sarah says a lot when we're interviewed about how we started the show that we were very careful with each other at the beginning because we wanted to we wanted this to work. We wanted to have a friendship and a partnership. We did not intend to have a business at the beginning, but we wanted to have a really good partnership. Um, And I think that care and consideration on the business side is critically important. So I've had two partnerships. I was in a partnership before this one that really got me in the social media space. I had a friend from law school reach out and say, hey, would you ever want to start a parenting blog? And we did a parenting blog together. She was in California. I was in Kentucky for probably two years. And then her work situation changed. uh, My work situation changed. And I think we were a little late to the to parenting blogging game, to be honest. I think that was part of it, too. So I've done this twice. I don't. It's really funny because for a person who says, like, I don't like bosses, I have to have independence. I really love being in a partnership. I really love being in a partnership. There's just something about knowing that there's someone who understands exactly, especially in, I think, in, in spaces like this, YouTube or podcasting or blogging, like, understands the space or the goal and the sort of uniqueness of this career. But I was also not close friends with my former partner when we started as well. And you really do build a closeness when you work with somebody like this. But I think if you've if you've known each other for a long time, I think you would have that carefulness just for a different reason, right? Either you're protecting something new you want to grow or you're protecting something you've had for long that you want to have on the other side of the partnership. So that carefulness, I think, is relevant whether you're new to a relationship together or you've been friends for a long time. You know, when you start something and and you are in that mindset of, okay, we're we're making a business, we're making this a business, a lot of the advice that you get is about structure and making sure that you really are clear from the beginning on what you want. And I do think that having a, you know, a written partnership agreement is really important. That said, I feel like what has worked the best for us, especially just knowing that anything that is in the umbrella of new media, a term I just hate, but anything under that umbrella, (laughs) the industry changes so fast. What matters today will not matter tomorrow. You'll have plans and three months later be like, well, those were cute, but that's not the reality anymore at all. And so I think that what has worked the best for us is that we didn't have one conversation about what's important to us. That is a a constant conversation. And mm-hmm. we are often saying, like, hold up. What do we really want out of this? What's really important to us right now? 
what's really driving this and just making sure that you really don't have a business meeting and you got to have those, you know, that helps us too to like plan out time when we're not just creating stuff, but we're talking about what we're creating and why. When you have those business conversations, making sure that you're always checking in on, is this working for you? Okay. What, what do we like about this? What do we want to ditch? I agree. And I, I think what happened in my previous partnership, and that's always a risk, is that if you're not having those conversations, it, it can feel it's easy to start to feel like people have different priorities. Like, I think it's constantly important to check in and say, wait, do you want this to be more than a hobby? Because if you want this to stay a hobby with just a little bit of money, then let's talk about that. But I have an interest in this being a legitimate business. Like, I think checking in to see, like, are we headed in the same direction? Do you like where we are? I'd like to be somewhere different. Is that okay? Is really key. Which, you know, I don't know if we ever said, we certainly in the beginning didn't say, hey, would you like this podcast to turn into your full-time job? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did not know that was a possibility, despite the one being the person with more experience in quote-unquote new media. And so, you know, it's not that we were really explicit, but I think at every point, at every pivot point, there was a conversation and an understanding that like, yeah, we want to keep growing. We want this to keep being more and more of what it is. And I think the other thing for us in particular is just our superpower is that we are very complimentary. Like we, you know, I, I sensed in our very first conversation, like, oh, we got something here. Like, this is good. I can't put my finger on exactly what it is. But several years later, now I understand it's that we are different, but in very complimentary ways. And so it works really. I think that's always something to sort of look out for in a in a partnership, because if you have people, two people that are exactly the same, you know, I'm not saying that that's like a disaster waiting to happen. I just think it's something you have to really be aware of. I think you have to also be ridiculously transparent about money. And mm-hmm. that has come pretty naturally for us, which I think is so interesting and such a gift because we came into this with really different work histories and kind of different expectations on ourselves about that. But we have, from the beginning, had no problem talking very openly about money. That does not come naturally for everyone. And I would name that, you know, between the two of you, like, this is a priority for us, that we be able to say, this much money works for me. This does not. You know, I'm really interested in making more than this for this reason. I'm not willing to do that for, you know, my time is not worth that. Whatever it is, just being willing to have that conversation. And again, on an ongoing basis, being really open about it. Again, I wouldn't have been able to name this in the beginning, but now I realize like people are just motivated differently by money. And I think in many ways we are different, but in that way we are very similar. And that I think, you know, both of us take money seriously, but we're not highly motivated by it. And actually, I think that is a good thing to be the same on when you're yeah. <laughs> entering a business partnership. Yeah, because if you have one person who is really more mission motivated and someone else who is incredibly money motivated, uh, that can create a lot of tension if you aren't navigating it very carefully. And so I would just try to put all of those cards on the table from the beginning, but then make it a priority to check back in on them. I feel like something else that has worked really well for us without us being too explicit about it is that we have understood from the beginning that there are going to be periods of time when one of us is just not able to contribute as much and the other one is able to pick up the slack and then those times are going to reverse. And we've Mm -hmm. done that really naturally with each other and then talked about it some on the back end. But we've never had any like bitterness or resentment I don't think, about workflow. 
that trips a lot of partnerships up. So that's another thing you want to be like real candid about your expectations and your capacity. Just being honest, like I'm tired this week. You know, that Mm -hmm. kind of transparency is really important. And I could see that maybe being harder in a friendship. Maybe you have a bunch of assumptions about each other that we didn't have from the beginning. So it might be good to be a little bit more explicit about that than feels natural. It reminds me, I think Brene Brown just did a whole conversation about this inside marriages, but it's definitely true inside partnerships, too. Actually, that's probably good advice. If it's good marriage advice, it's good partner business partnership yeah, advice. Um, unless it involves sex, and then no. Right. But uh, th- she had a whole thing about, like, her and her husband will say, like, hey, I'm at, like, 10% today. I'm going to need some help. And they're just, like, constantly naming that and narrating that. And I think that is also very good advice for a business partnership. I think so, too. Well, I'm excited for you, Stephanie and Christine, and I hope you guys just find this to deepen your relationship as we have. I can't imagine what my life would be like now if Sarah weren't my partner and one of the most important people in my life, and I hope that becomes true for y'all too. Last up, we have a commemoration from Amber, who just wants to commemorate when life is not going as planned. She recently welcomed her second child, a baby girl, and also lost a beloved aunt and her father within a month of her child being born. In addition to that, her and her partner were planning a move to Germany where he had received a transfer. And she realizes now that she did not think about all those circumstances stacking up and how difficult that would be for her, specifically how it would be difficult for her to find work. She says, work has always been a defining feature of my personality and life. I was in a field that I love but did not feel as though I was compensated. I transitioned to a position where I used some of my skill set and was compensated but not passionate about what I was doing. I've been trying to pivot again to human resources, but it has proved much more difficult than I thought because my skill set speaks to human resources, but I've never been employed in human resources. I say all this to explain that I finally heard back about receiving an interview for my dream job. I scheduled the interview, spent the past two weeks preparing for the interview while it came and went, and I feel as though I bombed. Bombed it in such ways that I should have been able to foresee. So I went on a long run this morning, caught on up on some of the nuanced life episodes, and they both brought me here, writing out my feelings and expressing grief for my life that has completely changed, attempting grace to allow myself to feel that change, and now moving forward to dig deep and find other positions that will help support both my current transition as well as the desire to really work in that atmosphere where I can be passionate. Amber says she is commemorating change, grief, transition, passion, But mostly I'm saying thank you for the reminder that it's important to appreciate where you are and that the future representation of yourself will understand much more about this time period in your life. So trust in your present self that that will be the case. I loved that part of her message because I think that's so true. Like when I think about the agony that I felt particularly about career at different points in life, I wish that today Beth could just time travel back and whisper, it's going to be fine. Like, It's going to be fine. It will take longer than you want it to, but it's going to work out. I particularly think Amber is going to be fine because she was able to step out of that stress to, like, have the moment of self-awareness and realization and grief and forward thinking and all that complexity at once and, like, write an email about it and express it. Like, anytime you can just recognize the emotions, especially in such a period of heightened stress and articulate it like she did, girl, you're going to be fine. That's all I got to say. There is a tremendous amount of just dumb luck involved in how a job interview comes together. 
who shows up to conduct mm-hmm. the interview, what kind of mood that person's in as they do it, what kind of mood you're in as you show up, and yep. the chemistry that exists between those people. I think that we often talk about opportunities like that, whether it's a job interview or performance review, like all kinds of things that feel like you're being graded as an adult as you were as a child. And even grades as a child, we talk about those things like we're really coming up against an objective yardstick, and that's almost never the case. And so the reason that I would feel heartened, I think, um, in addition to what Sarah said about your ability to process this, Amber, I would feel heartened to just know that if you feel like you bombed it in a way that should have been foreseeable to you, that might mean that just the energy of the other person brought a bunch of stuff to the room that didn't match with your stuff. And that's okay because the best working conditions are when you are with people who share your values and who view the world as you do and who are going to bring you energy to be around. I think all the time about, I wish I could go back in school time and say to myself, look for people that you enjoy. What are they doing in the world? The people who make you feel like, oh, I want to be more like this person. I think this person is amazing. What are they doing? Do not go into a profession where if you walk into a room, you feel like an alien, uh, which mm-hmm. perhaps I did. Um so, you know, just knowing that, like, I would, I'm just saying, Amber, don't put too much responsibility on your own shoulders about what an interview went like for you, because there's a lot more to it. So much outside of your control. And you just don't know. So, yeah, I agree. I would not beat yourself up too much about that. And knowing that you want to go in the human resources direction, we are all better at that work when we recognize that that is true. What did I bring to this in evaluating a candidate? Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for reaching out, Amber, and sharing your commemoration. And thanks for everybody every week who writes in with commemorations and advice. Keep them coming. We love hearing from all of you about the struggles you're facing and what you're dealing with. And just being able to come together and share together. I'm saying together a lot, but listen, this whole online space together is holding us all up right now. So thanks for being a part of that here at The Nuance Life. We will be back in your ears on Friday over at Pantsuit Politics. And until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. Dylan Garvin produces The Nuance Life. Elise Knapp is our managing director. The Nuance Life is listener supported. Go to patreon.com slash the nuance life. For $5 each month, you'll receive an entire bonus episode of The Nuance Life. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Dylan Garvin is the composer and performer of our ad music. For more information about The Nuance Life and to connect with us through our weekly email, visit pantsuitpoliticsshow.com.